Hey folks, welcome to the Buckle Up Podcast, the Millennials Guide to the BLI. As always, I'm your host, Enzo Kong. Now, if you have been following our show closely, you'll realize that we have hosted guests from almost all continents the BLI has touched upon, with the only exception of Africa, home to 16% of the world's population. And as we shall see, the case for the BLI in Africa is not only an economic one, but also a humanitarian one, especially after the toll the pandemic has taken on the continent. With me today is Zaid Banani, a Moroccan master's student in finance in the Peking University HSBC Business School, and also the founder and the president of the student union of the same business school. Zaid is extremely well informed about the state of play of Africa, as well as the most urgent needs of the African people. If you want to catch up with topics such as Africa's post-COVID recovery plan, as well as Morocco's most exciting industry prospects, please enjoy the conversation. Hi, Zaid. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hi, Enzo. I'm very well. Thank you. As I told you before, um, Africa is the only missing piece in our show, and I'm sure our audience would love to hear from you, hear your take. Uh, it's, it's my honor speaking on, on behalf of Africa today, and uh, I'm sure it will be a great podcast. Now, um, why don't we take a sort of a funnel approach today, and we will first deal with Africa's issue in general, and then perhaps we'll then look at um, the issues of North Africa, and then finally the prospects of your country, Morocco. Does that sound good to you? Sounds perfect. So, I mean, if we talk about Africa now, what we read on the news, I think one of the most, um, one of the major concerns would be how it is dealing with COVID. And we have read that COVID has certainly brought reduced earnings and increasing poverty and food insecurity to the continent, as well as leading the region into the first recession in 25 years. So Said, can you tell us what are the most urgent needs of the African people right now? Well, as, as you know, uh, the, the continent of Africa is quite a rich uh, continent in terms of uh, natural resources, as well as uh, its di diverse demographics. Africa counts a population of about 1.2 billion people, which ranks it uh, second largest continent in the world. Unfortunately, even with all these attributes, there are quite significant uh, factors that are lacking the, the continent. Uh, some notable factors are the, um, uh, the quality of the supply, supply chain, as well as the, the lack of, of supplies. And um, with the current pandemic, which has uh, hit the whole world, Africa has been he heavily impacted, notably due to, to its uh, shortage of supplies, as well as um, its poor quality of supply chain. And uh, in the beginning of the pandemic, many countries all around the world imposed lockdowns right. and, and, and therefore impacted trade. And the, the, the continent found itself with the, not many, many supplies in order to treat its people. And I guess one of the most um, straightforward ways to um, get out of the woods would be to rely on vaccines. And we also know that vaccines supplies has been um, particularly um, worrisome in Africa and other developing countries. So how is the situation on the ground right now? Well, as of uh, the month of September, uh, only 3% of, um, 
of the African continent population has been fully vaccinated against COVID-19. Um, this this vaccination rate is quite low in comparison to continents like Europe, which has vaccinated almost 50% of its population. Certainly. North America, which has vaccinated 44%. And talking Asia, about the third and the fourth charts already. Yeah, yeah. And then you see a beautiful continent and the rich continent like Africa, which is struggling nowadays to, to vaccinate its, its population. And I think this is mostly due to, uh, to the fact that many, many sub-Saharan African countries weren't able to place orders for the vaccine, mainly because um, other developing and developed nations were bidding higher and getting all the supplies. Uh, nonetheless, we'll, we'll focus on the, positive, um, on the positive projects occurring nowadays. Uh, as of today, there are 12 manufact vaccine manufacturing projects in Africa in um, six different countries. My country, thankfully, is amongst one of them. We're uh, starting the production of the Chinese vaccine Sinopharm. Right. Uh, there were some, some issues, but it's going well. Then you have Algeria, Senegal, Egypt, Nigeria, and South Africa. And uh, these are all uh, quite big African countries. And I, I hope they will take care of, uh, of, of their, their neighboring countries in supplying them vaccines. I mean, that sounds like the most effective and also the most less co the less costly way to gain access to supply to, to the vaccines for the African people when you can manufacture them at home. Now, yeah. apart from the vaccines, we are also seeing some um, debt problems for a lot of African governments and um, a lot of Western countries and also um, China are creditors of these countries. So are, they, are these countries doing their part in order to, you know, help the African countries, um, you know, for, for relief? Yeah, well, uh, as, as mentioned before, COVID-19 is, is a tragedy which has heavily impacted countries all around the world. Unfortunately, some of these countries don't have the adequate resources to recover from the, the impacts of the pandemic. Um, countries amongst the, the, G, the G20 created a, a, a debt relief framework, which uh, helps ease the, the, the payback periods as well as the, the loans which these African countries uh, received. They, uh, so in this framework, they tempor temporarily suspended $5 billion in debt service repayments, which is about 40% of what the, the continent spends on the health sector. Um, other than that, there are many other in investors as well as, uh, as people that loan that are currently in the middle on whether to, to extend the, the repayment period or not. I think the African Union should, uh, should uh, step in and uh, try to find compromise with, the, with these investors in order for, for African countries to, to recover from the pandemic prior to, to paying back their debts. Well, it sounds like definitely there is more that can be done. And apart from that, we are, uh, I think another most straightforward way to boost the economy would be to increase the trade between the countries. So um, can you tell us what is the trade relationship between Morocco and, say, China that is going on right now? 
Well, well, Morocco and China are uh, have been have had a good relationship for for many years, where Morocco has obviously a trade deficit with China, uh, meaning we import way more than we export to China, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. It provides consumers with the with the cost effective alternatives and as well as um, as a variety of of choices of products. Uh, I would say the the critical factor in in trade was the fact that uh, container containers uh, their price has has multiplied by ten during the the pandemic, and uh, you had a forty feet container which cost around two thousand dollars prior to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. You found it 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 became twenty thousand dollars during the pandemic. This this has prevented many people from from importing, and therefore drove the the, the import numbers quite down but now it's 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 um it's it's getting back to normal i would say and containers are about fifteen thousand dollars nowadays right i think from the figures at least on this year the two-way trade between china and africa has grown by 40 percent compared to last year so that's at least an, a slight improvement compared to last year now um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have talked some um, topics about how the continent can, you know, move forward from the impacts of COVID. But um, if I am a Chinese investor um, and if I'm interested in investing in Africa, I think one of the concerns I would have, not only now but for you know the past years, would be the security concerns. As we have seen, Chinese investors have previously faced some attacks in the, such as the Sahel region close to Mali and also some other places. And we have also seen some insurgencies in countries such as Ethiopia and Sudan lately. So um, how would you describe um, um, the safety of a foreigner doing business in the continent? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, there, there are always risks when uh, when choosing to invest your money as well as choosing to, to travel somewhere. Right. Uh, these risks can can vary from political instability to market risk, um, and I think investors definitely take these risks into account when choosing whether to invest in a in a specific region, country, or project. Uh, sometimes these 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 risks are are worthless while considering other other benefits. I'll give you um. A small example, and, and I'm speaking about in investment-wise, not safety-wise, uh, at, at the moment. But for example, you have uh, uh, investor X, which wants to invest in project X or in country X. Uh, investor X knows knows there's a high probability that the country or project will not be able to repay repay the, the entire amount of money they they loaned them. But on the other hand, they see other benefits that can arise from investing in that specific project. For instance, let's say China decides to invest in, uh, in country X and country X doesn't repay China entirely. But that investment, that Chinese investment enabled country X economy to, to grow and it, it, it enabled people to have income, which then led those people to buy made in China goods. So there isn't, it's not a direct return on investment, but the return on investment can be, can be seen from a different perspective. And I think that's the main motive for, for Chinese investors that invest in Africa. So 
they know there's a high probability that uh, they will not be able to be repaid back on time, but there are other op opportunities that can be seized. And these opportunities are, are quite important. As for the safety, safety part of your question, I think it's, it's, it's very unfortunate that um, the Chinese nationals were, were attacked. Um, I mean, there are, there are various, uh, various um, ways to fight this and prevent this from happening. But uh, I, I think China is doing a wonderful job in Africa in, in helping the continent grow. Right, because this also impacts not only the investors, but also the tourists, probably, who are considering visiting Africa, but mm -hmm. might be worried about their personal safety. So are there any practical tips that we can, you know, protect ourselves? I would, uh, well, in my country, at least, uh, the number of Chinese tourists has, has uh, grown uh, tremendously. And uh, as Moroccan nationals, we're very happy to see Chinese tourists coming to Morocco and visiting the country. I think one tip I would give is um, it's, a, it's a Chinese Changyu. And it's Ruxiang uh, Suisu. So when in Rome, do as the Romans do. And I right. think that that goes a long way wherever you go in the world. Well, that, that's that's right. Now um, we talked about Morocco, and if we are now trying to talk more about North Africa, we might need to first um, discuss what are the roles that are played by various countries in North Africa, um, namely Morocco, Algeria. Tunisia and Egypt. So can you tell us a little bit about what these countries do and how do they differ in each, from each other in terms of their strategic importance? Yeah, so um, as you said, North African countries play a very strategic role in, in many different continents. Uh, as for Morocco, Morocco is labeled as the, the gate to both Europe and Africa, meaning it's, it's the connecting factor between both uh, both uh, continents, uh, all the countries you're, you, you mentioned are, are significantly rich in natural resources. Mm. These resources range from phosphate, iron, zinc, oil and gas, petroleum. Um, and not only is it a, a strategic location for, for the world, but also for one belt, one road, as, as uh, this location can connect Asia, Africa, and Europe, and you have no, no other countries in the world that can do this. And uh, at the moment, China is currently working on, on expanding its, its cooperation with these North African countries, not only in the eco economic um, side of things, but also in the cultural spheres and also diplomacy and defense. And as, as we mentioned, uh, with the Morocco, the number of Chinese tourists has uh, tremendously risen. And uh, yeah. And I think more importantly, that's because Morocco is um, literally connected to the southern part of Europe through Spain, right? So how, how important is that to Morocco's economy? Well, in the past, it was, it was quite important because we, we would, uh, the, the national economy would be influenced by, uh, by other, other European countries. But at the moment, Morocco has, uh, has been doing an amazing job in, uh, in stimulating the economy as well as, uh, as uh, improving its, its diplomacy, its, its foreign diplomacy. And at the moment, I'm, pr I'm proud to say that uh, Morocco is, uh, is a, 
is a key player in the African continent as well as starting to be a key player in the European continent with its ex exports, with its new technologies. And um, yeah, I'm sure great things will come in, in the future for the, for the country of Morocco. And I think uh, Morocco's um, ambition can also be seen from its um, um, participation in the Belt and Road because it is actually the first state in the North Africa to join the BRI back in 2017 and also has been a member of the AIIB since 2018. Um, but you mentioned that um, Morocco has traditionally been um, a strong trading partner with EU. Um, and I think the numbers said that it accounts for more than half of Morocco's imports and about two thirds of its imports. So now that China has come into the picture, how does that um, impact the relationship between Morocco, Europe, and China? Well, um, I, I would label the, the China-Morocco relationship as a pragmatic relationship. Why would I employ the word pragmatic? Because, because both parties are aware of each other's importance and therefore try to use these be beneficial aspects to benefit each other. So, you know, uh, in China, um, many deals, many, many agreements are made on the basis of a win-win relationship. Right. And I think, I think this relationship between China and Morocco is only win-win. China, uh, sorry, Morocco was the, was the first country to recognize the United States of, of America. Mm -hmm. Nonetheless, Morocco is also the first country to sign the MOU uh, with the with One Belt One Road in 2017. So uh, Morocco is, is looking forward to to expanding its cooperation with the with the People's Republic of China, in terms of trade, in terms of investment, in terms of uh, of tourism, travel. And I think the, the King Mohammed VI visit in Beijing in 2016 opened the doors to many many beautiful projects in the country. Um, so that would perfectly bring us to one of the signature projects under the BRI, and that's the Tangier Tech City that is also named under Mohammed VI. And I think Tangier is actually located in the north, which is close to Ceuta in Spain, is mm -hmm. that right? Mm -hmm. So what is the importance of the Tech City and what are they trying to achieve? Yeah, so as you said, Tangier is quite a strategic location and city in, in Morocco. It's, uh, it's home of, of uh, the biggest port in Africa nowadays. So what is the, the Mohammed VI Tangier Tech City? It's a joint project between Morocco and China, their respective governments. And um, this, uh, this new city consists of, of hosting about 200 Chinese companies which operate in food, automotive, aeronautical, renewable energies, and textile industries. And um, this, this project is the, is the pure example of how this win-win relationship is going. So Morocco is expecting to host 200 Chinese companies in order to help them avoid any trade protectionism from, from other countries. Mm. But how does Morocco benefit in um, in this project, Morocco benefits by by uh, getting new technologies, new innovations, and seeing how the whole process works. And uh, I I think this is a wonderful a wonderful uh, project uh, for both governments. 
And I think uh, among the country, among the companies that the tech city has attracted are some of the Chinese auto manufacturing companies, such as BYD, which shows mm -hmm. how promising um, the project mm -hmm. is. And I'm sure mm -hmm. it's also creating jobs for some of the local tech um, talents in Morocco. Is that right? For, for sure, for sure. And it also helps Morocco in, in bringing uh, EVs because EVs are, have, have not clicked yet in, in, the, in the country. But in a country like China, EVs are, are, are very popular. You have companies like BYD, New, Xiaopang, I right. think. Exactly. Which, which is good. I think it's the future and I, I think it's a very good initiative. Mm -hmm. And I think go hand, hand in hand with the tech city is the expansion of the um, Tanger Metport complex. And mm -hmm. how, how does the, the, the expansion project help the tech city? Well, it it helps the tech city, uh, notably with the with exports. So if um, if uh, if these Chinese companies want to export, they have the largest port in Africa in order to do so. Um, right. As well as if they want to import, there is there is no trouble because it's the the largest one in in Africa. Um, it's it's also strategic because it's it's right next to Europe, so the the trip is quite short. So for example, for uh, for an import from China to Morocco, the transit time is about uh, 40 days on average. But from, from Morocco to, to Europe, it's uh, less than a week. Right. And th this can, can greatly uh, benefit the tech city as well as the, the Tangier Med uh, port. Mm -hmm. And, and the, the, nowadays with this expansion, the Tangier Med port ranks first amongst other container ports in Africa and number 25th worldwide. And this expansion al allowed the port to, to triple its, its capacity from, from the past. And is it already in full operation or is it still in construction? Uh, I, I believe it's, it's, uh, it's operational. It's starting to be operational. I see. Right, so um, you have mentioned just now that um, the land in North, Af North Africa is generally um, um, blessed with natural resources. But in Morocco in particular, um, I think uh, the most valuable um, natural resources would be the phosphates and the rare earth elements that are extracted by the phosphate rocks. And mm -hmm. we know that China has currently been um, um, one of the dominant supplier of rare earth elements in the world. But it seems that it certainly doesn't mind getting even more supplies from countries such as Morocco. So how are the how are how how are the, these rare earth elements helping Morocco's exports? Well, well, uh, thank you for mentioning that. I don't know if if you're aware, but Morocco is the largest producer producer of phosphate, mm -hmm. and its uh, its its territory contains about seventy five percent of the world's reserves. Right. This this now places Morocco as a, as a significant player in the in the phosphate world. Uh, you mentioned that uh, that China was um, was a, a key exporter of phosphate. Nowadays, China is having some some trouble with its phosphate reserves, and I think has um, has stopped all its exports of, of phosphate. This this can we can see the light uh, of, of this decision because uh, this this could lead to the opportunity of Morocco and China cooperating in right. phosphate trade. Uh, as you know. Phosphate is needed in order to grow food and uh, to fertilize soil. 
Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I'm sure if, uh, if both countries find strike, strike a deal in order for, um, for the trade of, of phosphate, this would greatly benefit Morocco and, and China. By, I, think by that has, I think that has already been um, happening on the ground. And from my research, I saw that China's Hubei Fulbon technology has already established a JV with Morocco's state-owned phosphate giant, OCP, mm-hmm. um, earlier this exactly. year to develop mm-hmm. some new fertilizers. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure we're going to see a lot more cooperations between the two. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Now, in connection with that, um, energy is also an important topic in Morocco's economy, I think, because more than a third of the country's energy actually comes from renewables, which is really impressive. Um, for China's part, it has also played a part in this in terms of solar power, as mm-hmm. um, it uh, constructed the Nor Concentrated Solar Power Project in a Moroccan city. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so uh, the, the Nor power plant in, in the city of Warzazat in Morocco is the world's largest concentrated so- solar power plant project. Um, as you mentioned, it was, uh, it was built under uh, BRI when Chinese builders came to Morocco to, pr- to provide the, the construction of, of this energy project. The company who, who helped build this project is uh, Shandong Electric Power Construction Company and is a subsidiary of Power Construction Corporation of China, which is a giant in China. And uh, they, they took the construction of Nord 2 and Nord 3. Um, this, this mega project has, uh, has greatly benefited the, the country of Morocco, as, as uh, now all supply can be found in Morocco, as well as the number of, of, of jobs, the region, Warzazat is in the south of Morocco. The region has, uh, has completely changed in a good way with, with this project. And it, it has also brought many, many uh, foreign talents from all around the world to come and work in this, in this plant. And uh, it's, it's uh, quite, uh, quite impressive how, uh, how both China and Morocco collaborated in, in building this mega project. And the city where it's located, or Zasate, is it like in the middle of a desert with a lot of sun? Is that why they build a solar plant there? Yeah, so Warzazat is in the south of Morocco. It's, uh, it, it consists of a lot of desert as well mm-hmm. as, uh, as the city. And it's quite sunny over there. Right. So I, I guess it's, uh, it's a good location. That for explains the why, yeah. yeah. Now, um, I think Morocco is also known for its good weather. And that is why there is been a lot of tourists coming from Morocco. I myself have watched um, a, a travel program about Morocco and I still remember the scenes from Chef Shawan, Fez and Marrakesh, all those cities. So can you, t- and I also know that f- from 2016, Morocco actually decided to abolish the visas for Chinese tourists. And so the mm-hmm. number of tourists from China has, has been increasing before COVID hits. So can you tell us about the prospects of the tourism for your country? Yeah, so uh, as you said, uh, in, in the year of 2016, there has been a can- cancellation of uh, a visa for, for Chinese nationals. This has uh, obviously led to the, to the increase of Chinese tourists that come to Morocco. I think the number increased from 10,000 in the past to around 150,000 tourists in 2019. You mentioned the good weather. 
you forgot to mention the good food. Morocco, <laughs> Morocco ranks amongst the, the best cuisines in the world. Uh, you mix it with, with good weather, with good hospitality, and it's the, the perfect location for, for any tourist that, that wants to visit. But uh, this, uh, this, um, this initiative of, of canceling uh, visas is, uh, has a good impact on the economy because when Chinese nationals come to Morocco, they, they spend their money mm. and which helps stimulate our economy. I can, I can tell you that uh, in uh, 95% of shops in Morocco, union pay is accepted as a, as a payment method. And uh, I, I, was, I was quite fascinated the first time I saw it. And uh, I hope these numbers will continue to grow in the future. Now, um, speaking of which, I would also like to know about the general attitude of the Moroccan people towards um, Chinese coming here, especially the um, Moroccan youth and also the African youth. So can you tell mm -hmm. us how the, the youth is um, taking up the opportunities presented by the BRI? Well, uh, I, I can speak of Morocco, but I, I think that... Um, not many people are, are knowledgeable about right. what One Belt, One Road is. And I think a lot of things can be done in order for people to be enlightened about the, the project and about the benefits of the project. In my opinion, the, the project provides the whole world with, with many benefits. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that there were attacks on, on Chinese nationals in Africa, but I don't think that re represents the whole continent or the people from the continent people from from morocco when they see foreign nationals they uh, all they want is is to socialize with them get mm -hmm. to know them and um yeah but i i think this the the one by one world project has um has a possibility to change people's lives all around the continent and hopefully uplift people and uh, if anyone is in poverty reduce that poverty and uh, just help people in general I would also like to hear more about your story as well. So, um, how why 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 would you pick China as um, the destination for your university studies in the first place? Yeah. So, uh, as you know, choosing where to go to university is quite a an important decision. I um, I, I received a random email, uh, a promotional email, study in China. I was in my senior year in high school. And I thought to myself that it, it would be an, an amazing decision to, to, to take going to a place where I, I know no one, different culture, different language. Uh, my parents supported me in my decision, but I knew they, they were expecting me to call them and tell them, I, I can't, it's too hard. And I went there with that, uh, Was that, so that hard determination, <laughs> that determination to, to be able to, to make it and learn the language, learn the culture. And thankfully, it has been the best decision of my life to, to just learn more about Asia, about China, about its people, its culture, its food. So do you think um, more can be done by, um, say, the government or some non-governmental organizations in terms of um, giving um, more opportunities to the young people in terms of exchanges and scholarships? What, what, more, what more can be done in that regard? I think a lot more can be done in, in, in uh, enlightening people as well as getting people excited about the project. You mentioned scholarship, you mentioned the exchange opportunities. I think that, that those would be good initiatives, but I also think uh, 
one by one road should be taught, should be taught in schools, maybe in, in BRI members' uh, curriculums, it should be taught and people should know what it is and what are the, the benefits to this project and how it, it has the potential to change the world. And I, I think that when the project starts thoroughly, we will, we will be able to see more globalization and people traveling, exchanging ideas, exchanging innovations. And by that time, they will be able to see the, the benefits of the project. Right. Um, I mean, I thank, thank you very much for coming to the show again. I'm sure a lot of young people are inspired by your advice and experience. Thank you, Enzo, for, for having me. I'm very honored to, to have joined you today. Thank you very much. See you.